Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Friday of Breaking into Cybersecurity. This is Chris Foulon, your host and creator, along with Renee Small. She's not here, but um, we have an amazing guest on today, Mr. Paul Cummings. He's going to share his background shortly. Uh, but for the beginning, if this is your first time here and you're seeing us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification button. That way you can see us the next time we pop up. If you are listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends and family. And then again, um, joining us straight from LinkedIn, uh, don't forget to follow myself, follow Paul, connect with us, and that way we can have a great uh, networking. So it, to introduce our guest today, I've been working with him and um, helping contribute to the veteran community. Um, and I've been trying to get him on forever. Uh, I couldn't believe it took this long, but here we finally have Mr. Paul Cummings. Uh, he has a, he's coming from a military background and he is now a security researcher, but the, the path here was anything but normal. Uh, so <laughs> but let's have Paul share his story. So Paul, give us a little bit of background. Um, what was your military career like? Uh, so my background started uh, back in 2001 when I joined the Navy. Um, the recruiter, when I when I went to the office, was really trying to battle the idea of what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I didn't know. I was bored, so I just wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. um, so he asked me you know, what I knew about computers, and I was like, well, I know how to put an AOL disk in and get on Yahoo. Uh, he's like, cool, you're going to be in IT. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so, you know, that was the beginning of my path. Um, you know, went to Great Lakes uh, back when just, you know, the ITA school was still there and, you know, learned how to be a radio communicator and uh, information technologist. Um, you know, I, I've started, you know, at the mailroom level where, you know, I was a help desk technician and computer repairman. Uh, and I ended my career as a uh, information system security manager. Um, you know, after 20 years, uh, in the time that, you know, I worked, uh, for the Navy, um, you know, I had the privilege of setting up a cyber protection team, a first of its kind, uh, and it really, really opened my eyes to the amount of, uh, fluencies that, you know, military members can, can bring into, uh, the sector. Um, so, you know, I helped, uh, create you know, a training pipeline uh, for 38 members. Uh, we were, we were uh, fully operational uh, a year ahead of schedule. Uh, and in compliments of how well we were doing, we were assigned three real-time real, real -time, uh, large-scale incident responses, uh, you know, across from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, so... You know, fast forward into when I started getting into real management roles in the military, uh, you know, obviously you lose a lot of hands-on. So, you know, as I, as I prepared uh, my journey to civilian, uh, you know, the amount of resources that are out there, the boot camps, the academies, it was just overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, full-on imposter syndrome, you know, sure, I've done this for 20 years, but you know, in the service, we, we don't stay at one place longer than three or five years. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might've done cybersecurity, uh, CND manager role back in 2014 and 2016. But again, that was so long ago. Now I'm fighting that, uh, the imposter syndrome that I don't know what I think I know. Okay. Um, so it came up a lot when, uh, you know, I was doing, uh, a lot of my interviewing and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm glad that we linked up and, uh, you were able to, to really bring it home, uh, that for the fact that we don't have to start entry level, if you have a good foundational and hands-on experience. Well, let, let's talk about that. So for those, um, in the comments, we have an Eventbrite link, and this is one of the first ways that uh, Paul and I started collaborating. Uh, Paul was setting up meetups for veterans who are transitioning out of the military to come together to talk and to uh, share career advice and welcome those from the community um, to share advice with them. So there's another event today, this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's the event right link in the comments. Um, the next link in the comments is for Boots to Books, which is another amazing resource. Um, they help with providing resources like study material, testing certifications, and so much more. But with Paul, um, you're putting together a virtual hiring fair in September. So that's the second link, the Boots to Books V Fairs. And um, that's for military veterans, first responders. And what was the other category that you added? Uh, military transitioning, uh, veterans, military spouses, first responders, and military dependents. Perfect. So um, if you're in any of those categories, uh, make sure you sign up for the virtual uh, career fairs. And for everyone else, you're welcome to join on the event rights. Um, so Paul, let, let's dig into your career a little bit. What are some of the military roles that you did where you learned, because you mentioned you did many roles over your, your, your long tenure, um, where you learned some of the IT skills that you use now that others might not think about as they are transitioning out that they actually had skills that they could take to the private sector? Uh, a huge one, uh, and this goes for pretty much anybody, it doesn't matter if you're military or not, is the the level of open source uh, intelligence research. Um, so my first duty station was Iceland. You know, we were still on Windows NT back then. Uh, and we migrated to, to Windows 2000 upon my leaving. So, you know, as, as they were getting ready to, to roll Windows 2000 out, uh, the birth of the green team, orange team, blue team, red team construct came out for information assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was curious, you know, there's not a whole lot to do in Iceland, but party uh, and and enjoy six months of daylight, six months of nighttime. Um, so being curious, you know, I, I linked up with our information assurance manager and really helped drive a, a doctrine that she was trying to build for Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my, my real first step into the InfoSec uh, was actually at my first tour. Um, but when I started to, to really look at it, I think 
I think around the time that um, I was stationed in Bahrain uh, is when I started looking at it holistically. Uh, I was a network operations supervisor. I helped control the gig for the entire fifth fleet area responsibility. Uh, so IP services for the ships and ground mobile forces. Um, and, you know, a part of our purview was vulnerability management, uh, you know, containing uh, a vulnerability scanner, you know, firewalls, uh, block hole IP lists, uh, really things that, you know, when you start researching what these, these black hole IP lists are, are blocking, you're like, man, uh, you know, it's the curiosity has read me, you know, led me down to the fact that I can't believe there's sites that do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, I think my biggest push though is, uh, I left Bahrain and went to new Orleans, uh, as a comsec manager. Um, during my time there, it was very short actually, because within my first seven months, I was called to go to Iraq. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Iraq and, uh, I was a biometrics data collection advisor. <laughs> so I had moved from a computer repairman to help desk to going on a ship, being help desk, moving into a Linux administrator, going into, um, you know, a knock supervisor dealing with, you know, routers and switches and IP gateways and satellite connections to ComSec to now I'm doing biometrics. So I was like, man, uh, <laughs> You know, the, the amount of training that I got just for that was amazing. Um, you know, and it really showed a proof of concept when you hear a lot of the biohacking uh, because we've seen it uh, firsthand, you know, with the, the ability to scrape fingerprints, uh, manipulate retina and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I did a lot of that with uh, kicking indoors, you know, got back and the Navy was like, hey, you know, you went to Iraq for a year and a half. Uh, what can we do to help you become an IT again and not a uh, knuckle dragger? <laughs> so I was like, you know, well, I would like to get a course. So at that time, it was 2009. They allowed me to choose two courses and one of them had me uh, ethical hacking. Um, you know, back when licensed pen testing was still a part of the uh, curriculum. So that was... That was fun. Uh, you know, it was definitely turned into a friendly challenge. Um, but, you know, after after doing that, it really changed my mindset. Uh, I followed on to um, be an immediate superior in charge at my next duty station, where at any given time I had 25 destroyers and frigates uh, as an information assurance manager. So all the knowledge that I've gained as um, – you know, biometrics and, and doing stuff like uh, the ethical hacking course, it really helped me excel to the fact that our uh, our destroyer, uh, destroyer squadron was ahead of the curve. Uh, it got to the point where, you know, we became the proving ground where, you know, ships would come to our Desron. Uh, Can you describe that for everyone listening? What, what that so term Desron is a, a destroyer squadron. Okay. Uh, you get a you get a commodore that is assigned to X amount of ships. Uh, traditionally, it was ten, uh, but as budgets come in and new ships are built 
or ships are getting ready to decommission or be sold off, you know, they get aligned to another Deseron. Um, so it just so happens that ours was leading the way on the cybersecurity, uh, you know, stage one, stage two inspections um, and pre-inserve inspections that we became the pigeonhole for a lot of these ships and new COs to come to, to learn information insurance and cyber. Um, you know, we have Aaron in the audience, which is awesome. Um, you know, he was a huge part of my success. Uh, at that time I was only at E6, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I, I was moderating, mentoring officers and commanding officers and, um, you know, chiefs, senior chiefs, master chiefs to the point where I became like a waterfront, uh, asset. <laughs> <laughs> and we started ho holding uh, waterfront symposiums, you know, getting up to speed on, on the various things because, you know, on a ship, even now, you know, you look at the fact that everybody's going cloud you know, there's certain critical infrastructures, you know, maritime being one of them that you're always going to have on premise. Um, so just like any company, you go one to one and the baseline changes, <laughs> Yeah. but that was the biggest thing. Uh, it led me to get selected to pre-commission, uh, cyber protection team, five, five, three out of San Diego. Um, and then from there is, is really when it grew. Um, you know, we were active in Carnegie Mellon's, uh, cyber range. Nice. And they opened it up to us to where we could train on it for free. Uh, sent a bunch of people out to do uh, some Idaho National Labs critical infrastructure and SCADA uh, certifications and courses. Let me let me hold you up there for a second. Uh, so for those that don't understand what a cyber range is, uh, can you describe the concept? So, yeah, a cyber range is a, essentially a gamified environment to where you have the ability to do a proof of concept of your skills. Uh, the way Carnegie Mellon set theirs up is you actually have um, the entire color spectrum, your white team, your blue team, your green team, uh, et cetera, to where, you know, when you look at the way U.S. Cybercom set up the cyber protection teams, you know, it was a, it was a squad model where you have a hardening team that goes out and does your assessments and they do hardening. Um, you know, you have your blue team that comes out and does your audits um, and vulnerability assessments. You have your red team where you can couple in some of the blue folks to do threat hunting on active IR. Uh, so what Carnegie Mellon did on the cyber range was, you know, really built a, a full on large scale uh, real time environment where every CPT that was being established. What's the CPT? Cyber protection team, okay, uh, where we could actually compete against each other and train with each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like one analyst might go down a rabbit hole differently. You know, you never know. Talking to another analyst on another team, man, I didn't think of that. That's actually quicker. Gets yeah. me to the same answer, right? Um, but that was that was a huge win. Um, you know, it was it was thankful to another first class that. Um, that made that happen. Um, so when we started reaching out for the other types of trainings, we were able to target, 
you know, threat, threat emulation trainings, Route 9B courses, um, send a couple people to Splunk, um, the SCADA courses, you know, I mentioned with, you know, Idaho National Labs. Describe SCADA for those that might not know it. So SCADA, um, so when you think of a, um, a critical infrastructure, uh, even like a bank, mm-hmm. uh, that teller that, that, you know, launches that tube, right, that you submit your money to or you pull a draft from it goes to the teller, mm-hmm. that's actually on a SCADA network. Um, and essentially it's a, it's an old, older uh, type of computer system. Some still run DOS, um, but it's a computer that's just built to, to really make, um, you know, cogs turn. You see it a lot in dams with shutters. Uh, you see it in chem labs with their filtration. You know, you plug in your, your numbers and it tells this, PLC, this programmable logic card to, you know, turn 25 degrees or shut, you know, same thing with HVAC with your, with your ACs and stuff like that. And there we go. There's Mr. McQuiggan right there. (laughs) So uh, for those listening, uh, Mr. McQuiggan sent in a comment. uh, SCADA, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition Systems, how they control and monitor power plants, manufacturing, et cetera. Um, I always like to have anytime someone mentions an acronym for them to describe it, um, for those that are new and breaking in and they might not understand what that acronym means. So, uh, thank you, James, for submitting that. And thanks for Paul for describing it. Um, so after you, you get the cyber range training, um, you get the Idaho national labs training. Um, where did you go from there? Uh, so from there, um, I had to exit my my CPT orders in San Diego to go on humanitarian orders. Uh, my dad was having chronic heart failure, so the Navy gave me um, orders to go go home and, and take care of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at that point in my life where I had already you know made it past the ten year mark. Uh, you know, I, I reenlisted for my last go around. And, you know, I was scared because, you know, it was was, humanitarian orders is one of those things where if it doesn't get solved, they have the ability to give you the boot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up in Jacksonville uh, for a year while I was taking care of my dad. I ended up in a security management office taking care of um, background checks and security clearances and stuff. Um, And lo and behold, you know, as my dad was getting better and we were able to help him, my wife was uh, diagnosed with five ailments uh, all within the same week. Uh, so in a couple of it off, uh, for those that are that are Navy in here, this all happened right before cheese season. Um, so cheese season is, is a grueling process, um, very time uh, intensive. And, you know, I was finding myself not being able to meet a lot of the, uh, the chief season goals because, you know, I was off taking care of, you know, my wife or my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I couple it in with my, my son's being, or my son uh, is also special needs, uh, severely handicapped, nonverbal. So, you know, between, 
2016 to 2019, uh, I was averaging six to seven appointments a week. Wow. So with me not knowing where I was going to end up and me also being super frugal, uh, you know, I, I would send, spend my time in, in waiting rooms, Googling free resources. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get some free training, you know, mm-hmm. do something while I'm not doing something. Yeah. Um, so I, I just kept it going. Uh, you know, knocked out a few certifications, uh, low hanging fruit, like scrum fundamentals, uh, my lean six Sigma yellow belt, um, and, and really took off. Uh, it wasn't until 2019 when I finally, you know, came off my humanitarian orders that I started having, you know, having health issues to where as soon as I got to a ship, I had emergency surgery and I got removed from the ship. Oh, wow. So now it's the, the battle of crap. They're going to medically separate me. And I have 18 months to go to, to hit retirement. Um, but luckily you know, I was able to get into uh, um, you know, my retirement package in, in time to where a medical board wasn't an option. Um, so during during that time that I was taking care of my own health issues, you know, we had, um, I was at a fleet, free, uh, fleet readiness center. So very big aviation community. I was the only, uh, it that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody that came up to the help desk were all, you know, aviation folks like, uh, mechanics, fuel specialists, uh, you know, quality assurance, uh, specialists. So, you know, I found a knack for, for training them up to, to get them up to speed on what they were doing because, you know, as I started my transition, it seems like everybody wants to transition into it and cyber. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if they're, they're trying to chase the dollar amount, which is very bad uh, because you can chase a dollar amount to your blue in the face. It doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I started hopping in to do various things, you know, with my home lab and, and stuff like that uh, to the point where, you know, finally October hit and I started my, my full, full on transition pipeline. Uh, well, let's I, talk about that process for those that might not be aware. Of it. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> wow. So that's actually how we met. Um, so in the military, uh, you go through a DOD um, mandated transition assistance program. Uh, they call it TAPS or they call it TGPS, um, but it's really to get you set up and start thinking of, you know, your insurance, your finances, your next job, uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, one of the, the biggest courses was resume. Well, the resumes were awesome. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, a lot of folks that I, that I deliver to personally, they really liked the format, but it was a format that you would have to hand off in a live environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not applicant tracking system capable. Uh, so between October and January, I had automatic rejections. Um, so, you know, I was getting furious because I had 43 iterations of a resume by then. Um, and, it, and it really just came down to format. You know, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, man, I didn't know it was that strenuous. 
Well, let, let's talk about the iteration process. So why did you do the iteration process? Uh, so the iteration process was because I was targeting specific roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I researched it, the companies that I, I wanted to work for, uh, I really dissected the roles. I uh, got with the people that worked there. Uh, I tried to target between two to three uh, individuals for that company in, the, in that specific role mm-hmm. um, to really understand, okay, so this job post says this, um, you know, what was your, what was your experience and what led you to where you're at? Um, you know, in the process of doing that, I was getting internal referrals, which was awesome. Um, you know, bypassing that good old robot, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was 40, 40 some odd targeted resumes for 40 different companies, uh, that all got bounced. The only one that didn't bounce was Royal Caribbean. Um, I got hooked on Royal Caribbean probably November timeframe. So mm-hmm. right before all the holidays. Mm-hmm. So that was hands down one of the longest processes. Uh, it was also my first um, real interviews. And the interview process found out that, you know, even though I got better for each interview with them, uh, I was coming off robotic. Mm. Um, and that's that's a big big reason why I started the uh, the veterans breaking into IT cybersecurity, um, and really talking to hiring managers and and interview teams to let them know military service members aren't taught to ask questions. Um, you know, we during an interview, you know, we we have our sailor of the quarter, airman of the quarter boards. You know, it's like the uh, the the employee of the month type deal. You know, where we get in front of a panel and they ask mm-hmm. us questions, we give them the, the most correct, correct answer that we can give and we move on. Uh, so I was finding that as a challenge uh, after January when I started getting interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed for one company where, you know, they were excited that I was a, um, you know, computer network defense manager at one point in my life. And when they were asking me questions, I was answering them right off the bat. But they're like, okay, well, you're you're now a, a MISP, MSSP, and you have to explain this to a client. It's like, oh, crap. So now I got to go backwards and, and tell you how I got my answer. Well, that's another thing with the military, right? So we get lost in thought because we are trying to deliver the most correct, correct answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it, you know, in the military, you don't ask for help. Um you, know, you could ask. You can ask for it. Whether or not you're going to get it depends on you know the camaraderie you have with your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, my my again, my first few interviews came off robotic. Um, I was actually in the uh, the top five candidates for a cybersecurity investigative role for Royal Caribbean for up until February, uh, when finally. Uh, a candidate got their their Jayak G pin and uh, put them over, and I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> <laughs> so, but then it, it just turned into a battle where you know I, I went through a, a total of thirty nine interviews between um, February and April before I finally got my job, mm-hmm. uh, and that's thirty nine companies, not thirty nine separate interviews. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can think of the different ones where they have five or six 
freaking interviews for no reason. You know, it it became it came really encumbersome. Uh, and I, I think that's when you finally seen that post where I was getting fed up and, you know, I'm complete honest with you. You know, the day you reached out, I had a Home Depot application filled out. You know, I was ready to, to call it quits because I'm like, what, what did they want from me? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't want to see people struggle. You know, we have folks that are planning their transition two, three years out. I want to be able to get get to them before that. Uh, that way, they can see the, the the worth that they have. Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of the things that we talked about in in our session. Um, you're ready to give up. Um, you're ready to sign up to Home Depot to be in a retail store. It sounds like. Um, let's talk about what what changed based on our conversation. For you it was really uh the biggest thing that stuck out and and still resonates with me is the fact that you know i've lived a life in that life i've gained soft skills and hard skills uh and that might come off intimidating to recruiters when going when i was applying for entry-level positions uh especially when you know the first thing they see on my resume is oh you're an ISSM right now. You should be getting ready to retire. <laughs> well, I am retiring. <laughs> um, but it was it was the how to explain myself and, and really get ahead of when that topic comes up. And when they when that gets to that panel interview and five people are brought into it and they that's their first time ever seeing your resume, it's it's a battle. Um, you know, and Sadly, ageism, ageism exists, um, but you know, as soon as I, I really wrapped my head around the fact that, man, I, I really do know a lot of stuff uh, and I'm easily to, you know, I can get hands on wherever I go. Um, I'm a continuous learner, so I'm always active, always engaged. That I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start honing in on some of these, these senior level positions. Um had a couple great leads with Dell Secure Works. Uh, it was just the fact that I've never done ransomware. So that was a, a huge turnoff. They don't like the fact in the, you know, in the DOD environment, we just say, oh, new hard drive, here you go. <laughs> we don't play that game. Um, hopefully you didn't save your stuff on a C drive. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was a big, a big push was, really understanding the whole self value that, you know, that I did bring to the table. Uh, and it turned into, it wasn't necessarily that the companies were rejecting me um, because I had, you know, I, I got started getting good feedback. Uh, it was the, I really didn't, I'm a believer in the whole cyber construct. You know, and it's it's one of those things where I felt like I needed to be fluent on everything. Um, so preparing for some of these these interviews with these senior roles, I was I was bombing them because I was still thinking junior because I did have three four months where I was you know targeting entry level positions, um, but. 
you know, going through your, your CPF masterclass, I was honored that you let me uh, pilot it. It was phenomenal. I, I keep that pocket guide in my, in my phone uh, all the time. Um, and it really helps me help those that, uh, that are finding the same issue. Uh, the second breakaway or takeaway that, that I feel was important was, you know, really looking at the roles, uh, fine tuning exactly what roles that you want to do. And we talk about the 53 roles in cyber and the 14 in IT. You know, some of these roles you might necessarily, you might not necessarily be able to get, obtain it now, but you can easily obtain it in a two to five year time span. Um, you know, finding those those KSAs, those you know knowledge, skills, and abilities that you could get off another role that is the ones that you're missing off of your dream goal. Um, I don't know. It was just luck. Um, I talked to a headhunter back in March. I was too far out from my uh, from my actual military retirement. Uh, and then, you know, a, a mutual friend, Alex Rhodes, um, had reached out to him and ended up getting a position and said, hey, you should talk to uh, you should talk to this guy. I, like, I know him. <laughs> uh, so I reached out to him and lo and behold, we were able to get on the same company. Uh, oh, and nice. that led me to cybersecurity research as an ISSE um, doing research and development. So now I I literally get to uh, eat the cake too. <laughs> nice. You know, one day I'm doing red team. One day I'm doing blue team. One day I'm doing audit. <laughs> so you know it really it really worked out to where uh, you know I took that solid break, like you said, don't get burnt out. So I took a month off of complete distraction-free, and bam, there it was. Uh, two interviews. Interview with the, uh, the headhunter, and then interviewed with the, uh, the uh, COO of Stevenson Technologies uh, Corporation. And the rest is history. Nice. So it sounds like you, you did a couple of things. One, you focused on your transferable skills. Mm -hmm. You focused on the roles that you really wanted to target. You weren't just taking a shotgun approach. And then you were leveraging your network that ultimately helped you uh, get where you're going. Wow. Um, let's talk about some of those resources we mentioned earlier, and I'm going to share them in the comments again. Um, there's that Eventbrite that you are doing later today at 4 p.m. Um, so for that, uh, please explain who, who we're looking to invite. Uh, so veterans breaking into IT cybersecurity uh, started off as veterans, but as me and Chris really started to uh, to connect, um, we wanted to adopt everybody. Uh, so anybody that's aspiring to become an IT or cybersecurity professional or already in the IT cyberspace that is looking to expand their career are absolutely welcome. Um, it's a we started it as a resource fair, and now we're we're to a roundtable fireside, uh, where I get ten to twelve industry professionals, uh, from executive all the way down to help desk, to really come out and and help you obtain these these goals. Um, 
you know, whether it is, hey, I know a person or, hey, why are you trying to get that certification? There's not a real return on investment. Uh, you know, if you get this cert for that role, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have people like James Azar, uh, yourself, uh, Augie Tinsdale, um, you know, Alex Rose, Joseph J. Bear. You know, it's it's really a, a great mix of professionals. Uh, you know, we all think of the whole cyber human uh, aspect where, again, you have transferable skills. We just have to unlock them. Uh, to get you in that thought process. So, you know, we go away with hoping that everybody connects with everybody that's on there uh, so we can expand each other's network uh, and then really ask those hard questions that, you know, they're scared to ask. You know, when I first asked James to, to join, you know, even me as somebody that's, that's been you know, in executive leadership was scared to talk to a CISO in the real world. But then it was like, boom. Oh yeah. James was fully on board. Yeah. Uh, it was that, that point was like, man, so the C-suite is, is highly available and approachable. You just have to know how to do it. Um, so, so he's referencing Mr. James Azar, who's on our sister podcast, uh, Cyber Hub and CISO Talk, and also joins us on CISO Thursdays on breaking into cybersecurity. Um, the next link that we wanted to talk about was the books to books, um, boots to books, uh, virtual career fair on Friday uh, in September. Um, do you want to talk about that one? Absolutely. So uh, this actually became um, one of those times where two military vets had insomnia. Uh, you know, a mutual mutual friend we know, Jeremiah Parker. Uh, and I were up till two, three o'clock my time, two o'clock his time, talking about the ridiculousness of the hiring process and, you know, the ATS system and not understanding what companies are using what version and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it ended up being a, a three hour conversation where we were finally like, I wonder if we can, we can just make a career fair, mm -hmm. you know screw a career fair. Let's, let's try to create a hiring fair. Mm -hmm. Let's get senior recruiters and hiring managers to participate. Um, so we brought the idea up to Peter Klein from boots to books, uh, who happened to, uh, let us alpha, uh, Mr. Michael Kaplan's phase two advantage curriculum. Mm -hmm. And we're like, Hey, so, uh, what are your thoughts on a job fair? And then Peter Klein was like, look, I'm 100%. We'll sponsor it. Nice. So within two days, we're like, we had a job fair. Um, so, you know, from then it's been reaching out to uh, recruiters, really explaining what we're looking at. You know, we want to get people past the ATS. We want them getting past the, the general recruiter and really start talking to, you know, the senior recruiters, the hiring managers, and into their panel. So essentially, for some companies, bypassing three or four interviews. Mm -hmm. um, and surprisingly, um, the companies that, that you know, agreed you know, were 100% were on board with it. Um, I couldn't get the well. I was trying to get Disney and uh, ESPN and Netflix, but 
they were looking for uh, more physical security and senior pen testers that I don't think we can provide. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's make a call out for uh, individuals from those companies that are willing to join. Uh, feel free to reach out to myself or Mr. Paul Cummings. Um, wow, we've gone 10 minutes over our half hour um, already. <laughs> so um, if you had to summarize everything we've talked about today and one piece of advice uh, for someone looking to break into IT or cybersecurity, uh, military or not, um, what would that be? I would say understand the roles. Uh, use the, the, the nice framework for cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. uh, to understand the different roles in the jobs and really do some soul searching to figure out if that's the role for you. Uh, that way you can build your two-year, five-year, and seven-year plan uh, to obtain those goals. And then network, absolutely network. You never know who's going to know your name. Absolutely. And and that's one of the reasons that, that we actually do this podcast is to um, help share amazing stories like yours today. Um, again, for those that are on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, hit that notification button. That way you see us the next time you come up. Uh, for those on LinkedIn, ensure that you follow us, uh, follow both Paul and myself. And then for those of you listening via podcast, uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it with all your friends and family. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Paul, and have a great rest of your day. All right, you as well. Thank you for having me.